With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello there. Yes, we're back. Parenting Your Challenging Child is back on the air. Dr. Ross Green here, as always, coming to you live from the offices of Lives in the Balance in Portland, Maine. Um, as always, well, I can't say as always because we haven't been on the air for the last two Mondays, but we're back now. Um, thanks for um, your patience here. I was in North Carolina on one of those Mondays at the uh, annual conference of the North Carolina Association of School Psychologists. And last Monday, I was speaking in Australia, which is very far from Portland, Maine. But I'm very glad to be back. I'm going to bring on to the air here my co-host, Susie. How are you today? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I am doing well. Um, tell us what you did on Monday without having this program the last two weeks. Oh, I just did my um I just did a little lives in the balance work that there's always something to do. So I was not at a loss. Good. But well because, welcome back. Um thank you. Um, let me say this about that. Um, traveling to Australia gives new meaning to the term jet lag. It's 20 hours in both directions. I'm not complaining. I had a wonderful time in Australia. And the neat thing is a lot of people in Australia got introduced to the model. And that is a wonderful thing. Um, no complaints there, right? Right. So let me give everybody the call-in number. Um, it's 347-994-2981. As always, callers take priority on this program. And Susie, we have a caller already. Shall we bring them on the air? Fantastic. Yes. Here we go. Uh, area code 413, you are on the air live. What's on your mind today? Oh, hi, Dr. Green um, and Susie. Uh, Dr. Green, I just wanted to thank you for all your work. It's been immensely helpful to us. Um, we found thank out you about, for you about, me. about uh, four years ago, I think, we found you. And um, now we have a 10-year-old, and um, I'm just noticing how things are changing for her <laughs> Maybe hormones are starting to take a part in her behaviors. Um, and when I look at your lagging skills, 
uh, assessment. I'd say she, you know, I want to check about 11 out of your 24 uh, categories there. Um, and the thing I'm having the most difficulty with at this time in our lives is uh, the empathy step. I feel like almost every time I open my mouth, she's defensive. And so I feel like I'm not doing a good job of the <laughs> empathy step. Um, I have one example, if I could try it out on you. Oh, let me say, I guess, first of all, her the um, things that rise to the top for her are anxiety, and she's a perfectionist, and she's extremely sensitive and wants no help. Feels like she has to do it all on her own. And at this point, the expectations aren't so much coming from us, her parents anymore. They're coming from herself. And I'm having a hard time helping her, uh, you know, look at them in a ra rational way. So the one that I'm trying to figure out how to speak with her about is that um, she she's doing a sporting event that keeps her outside of the house um, quite late in the evening and past her bedtime. But we have decided as a family that it's worth it for her. We've talked with her teacher. She's 100% successful outside of the home, uh, mm -hmm. which is fabulous. But <laughs> Yeah, that's a good thing. No complaints there, right? No complaints, but... Um, I would love it if she could share a little more of herself outside of the home <laughs> so she could be more um, even-tempered inside. But um, so she arrives home from this uh, event in a – if anything has um, gone in an unexpected way from the time that I pick her up to the time we arrive in the driveway – and I mean, if we got a red light, if if we forgot her water bottle when we were in the parking lot and had to go back and get it, if the um, I forgot this CD that we listened to of calming music on the way home, any of those go wrong, she has a near panic attack about it. You know, she has this idea in her head that she has to be in bed by 9:36, and if it's going to be 9:37 can't deal with that. So as I'm trying to say this, I would say, like, I've noticed a few times that it's difficult for you to come home from the gym in a relaxed way. What's up? But I can hear her right away saying, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not, I'm relaxed. You know, I mean, did that sound like a good approach? Or is there a way that I can say it that's more less would bring up less defenses from her? All right. Well, here's the thing I'm uh, paying attention to most in what you're saying. Whether it's that unsolved problem, and we, we could focus if we wanted to on the wording of that unsolved problem, but what you seem to be saying is whether it's that unsolved problem or whether it is some other unsolved problem, she seems to get defensive no matter what you try to bring up with her. Yes? Yes. Has, is there any topic that you've ever raised with her through plan B that she didn't get defensive about? Yes. 
now and then, I, if I pick the right moment, I have been able to work through Plan B with her. And what does picking the right moment mean? Well, I guess sensing her emotional state. Uh-oh, now you're breaking up on me. Hello? 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 I'm here, but Dr. Green, I'm not sure is. Okay. Uh, you know what? I had a little sound issue here, so I missed what she was saying. Maybe you could go ahead again. Okay. Um, I guess it's, you know, sensing her emotional state. Sometimes I think it's a good time to talk about things, and it's not. Okay. And, Susie, I missed your comment as well. No, I I just was saying that I didn't think that you were on the line. But uh, I was having a little sound issue, but I'm I'm back. Um, so if she's in the right mood, now let me ask another question. Does she ever, do you ever give her advance notice of what you'd like to talk with her about? Uh, no, I haven't tried that. She, she'll basically Back. say no to everything. Got it. So, but that, so number one, sometimes, and I, this is actually not going to be my main suggestion, but sometimes um, kids even though we're doing Plan B proactively, kids are still surprised by the um, topic because we haven't told them what we wanted to talk with them about. So even though we're doing Plan B proactively, they're still surprised and haven't had a chance to think about it yet. So that's one possibility. But okay. It sounds like you have a decent chance, no matter what you're talking with her about, of her getting defensive. Yes. I might... What I often do in those cases is recommend that people do plan B about talking. Okay. Not about a particular unsolved problem, but sometimes you've got to talk about talking before you can talk. Yeah. And that would sound like this. I've noticed that when I sometimes try to talk with you about something, that's hard for you. What's up? And what I have found is that what we often hear, and I don't know what you're going to hear from your daughter, that's what we want to find out, is that they think they're in trouble anyways. Mm-hmm. They think we're mad at them anyways. Um, kids often have a very interesting perspective on why adults want to talk to them. And sometimes that relates to history, Sometimes in some kids, talking has meant you're in trouble. Um, Sometimes talking has meant you're about to get punished. You would know your daughter's history better. Um, But there are some kids who have good reason to think that a parent or an adult talking with them about something is not necessarily a good thing. And so um, sometimes it's useful to talk about talking so that you can find out what it is that's causing her to respond in the way she is. And that's Mm -hmm. actually my main suggestion. Sometimes Mm -hmm. kids are surprised by the topic and they get defensive just because we've taken them by surprise. It -hmm. sounds like you're simply trying to figure out what mood your daughter is in as the way to begin a conversation with her. I like 
that you're trying to be um, attuned to when's a good time to talk to her and when's a bad time to talk to her, but it sounds like that's a bit of a um, crapshoot, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I might talk to her about talking. Okay. But let me throw it I, to Susie to see if she wants to weigh in as well. Um, I noticed a couple of things. Uh, wh- one is that it's so helpful um, to make an appointment with your child in advance, um, whatever it is that you want to discuss. And sometimes kids just, I think Dr. Green has said before, sometimes kids just need to say that it's okay for them not to talk, that, um, you know, you might not be able to do it right then and there, but you um, make another appointment and and have that discussion. Um, and one thing I learned with our challenging child was that, and even today, he'll automatically, not as much, but he automatically says no. But after that initial no, that's just a knee-jerk reaction. And once you get him talking, that's when you can kind of scoot in through the side door or the back door about um, the concern about a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think her defensiveness, and I'll find out, but I think her defensiveness comes from, she comes from the camp of if you talk about the bad things, then they're going to happen. Mm, she said that? She, oh, she, she tells me that often, yes. So it would be interesting to hear. It would be interesting to hear. Ah, I got it. So it would be interesting to hear what her definition of the bad things are, um, yeah. without necessarily having to talk about any of them. Um, yeah. Because this this is starting to sound even more interesting. <laughs> um, she uh, seems to have a good reason. So so she's already given you some information, letting you know that this is not be although it would be good to clarify this further, it's not because she thinks she's in trouble. It's not because she thinks you're mad. It's because it's a bad thing. Yeah, I think she is, you know, very self-judging. And so if I say it seems like it's been difficult for you, I think she goes straight to either I don't want to remember that difficult thing, I'm trying to pretend it didn't happen, or... Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a bad person because I had that difficult thing happen. And these are things she has said directly, or this is your interpretation of some things she said? Well, it's my interpretation. I've put it together over the years, but, you know, it's those unexpected things that really get to her, and that is what fuels her anxiety. I mean, when she used to be small and fall and skin her knee, she would say, don't tell daddy. Well, and here's the thing. Um, I'm not questioning your intuition about your daughter because I don't know you and I don't know her. I will say that over the course of my career, I have come to be increasingly skeptical of adult interpretations. Mm -hmm. I find that we are not always, but often, incorrect in our interpretations. And so 
while you might be spot on about where your daughter's coming from, I always have a lot more faith in adult intuition when the adult intuition is based on what a kid has exactly said. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it would be good to see if there's a way to gather information from your daughter about what it is that makes it hard for her to talk about whatever it is that she means by bad things because you'd like to understand better what is a bad thing and what makes it bad. Because we're actually talking about two different things here. We're talking about what it is that makes it hard for her to engage with you in plan B. That's like topic number one. And then there is this more vague category that we are calling unexpected things um, that seem to throw her for more of a loop. But those are the very things that you would like to be talking with her about in plan B. And so I still, still think that the place I would probably start is for you to get it from the horse's mouth. What is a bad thing that we're talking about here? What what makes something bad? Um, and yes, while your interpretation of what makes something bad might be spot on, um, I'm always encouraging people to be open to the possibility that our interpretation is not exactly spot on and that we need to get it from the horse, the horse's mouth, um, yeah. and what it is that's hard about talking about those bad things. And then what you're about to find out is whether she can even talk. If if she's not talking about a specific bad thing, can she talk about what makes something bad in general? And that she might be able to talk about, but you'd have to let us know if even that is off off, off base. She she won't let you in there either. Um, And then I'm likely to tell you that you might want to seek out some professional help to see if there's someone who she would talk to about that if she's not open to talking with you about that. It would be good to get a handle on your daughter's thinking on what's bad, what makes it bad, and what's bad about talking about those things. That would be good to get. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense? That does. Thank you very much. If you feel like calling in to tell us how far you got or how far you didn't get, feel free to call in because we're happy to help you further. Just try to keep close track of anything she says because that's what's going to help us help you further. Okay. Good deal. Let us know what happens. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Take Bye-bye. care. It's an interesting one, eh? But aren't they yes. all? Right. Um, We do not have any other callers at the moment, and so I am going to go to the email. Sound like a plan? All right. Do you want to just mention the call-in number one more time? If you think I should, then I will. It's 347-994-2981. Now, here's an interesting one. It comes to us all the way from Australia. If if you speak in Australia, and truth is we've had inquiries from Australia before, but here's one from Australia. If you speak in Australia and let people know that they're welcome to email or call into the radio program whenever they want, uh, they will. And that's pretty cool, yes? Yes. I'm trying to figure out what, to, and I, we knew that we wouldn't have many call-ins from Australia because it is currently 2.19 a.m. in Australia, so we're probably going to get more from email from Australia, but here we go. I have four children. My eldest daughter and I have incompatible. This is an interesting one. I might let you weigh on this one first. 
I have four children. My eldest daughter and I have incompatible views and values on what is acceptable for her to publish on social media. She is keen to publish shots of herself in bikinis in what I consider provocative positions. She gets a lot of attention for this. I am concerned that it may get attention that is unwanted. She also uses apps that enable people to ask her questions and not know their identity, which seems dangerous. Now, here we go. So, obviously, mom has some concerns and some unsolved problems. At what point is it appropriate for the parents to make a decision on what is and is not allowed? And what is the most effective way to communicate that? Apparently, my views are, quote-unquote, old-fashioned, and I, quote-unquote, don't understand, and, quote, I am making a big deal out of nothing, unquote. I have feel I've just tried to communicate the possible dangers in this kind of activity. I hope you can help. Susie, no pressure, but do you want to tackle that one first? I will give it my best shot. Um, you... It seems to me to be sort of a health and safety issue. Um, But at the same time, you want to um, have a discussion um, because the mom has some legitimate concerns. And as I think you've said before, the other person doesn't really have to care about concerns, but they do have to take it into consideration. Um, you you want to be um, proactive about this and... want to uh, be responsive to the hand you've been dealt. Um, It sounds like it's hard to tell from the email, but um, it sounds like there might be a bit of uh, history there. So the mom wants, needs to, you know, make an appointment, as we've said numerous times, with her I think it's her daughter who's um, Mm -hmm. doing this on social media. Um, And, uh, you know, it's not just, it's not just the kid that I think you've said it takes two to tango. So it's a, uh, it's a problem and it's the, adult's role to help solve the problem. Um, Also, just to remember that the first plan B might not get the job done, but plan B does teach in the invitation step that there's an agreement to return to plan B if the problem's not durably solved. Um, It's a tough one. Well, here's what I'm reading as well. Um, They haven't done Plan B. 
um, I don't know what the kid's point of view is on publishing shots of herself in bikinis. The provocative positions part is the mother's concern. The fact that it may get her attention that is unwanted is the mother's concern. The fact that people are asking her questions and she doesn't know their identity is the mother's concern. So I'm hearing a lot of the mother's concern here, but I don't think that the kid's point of view is on the table yet. And one of the things we know is that if the kid's concern gets heard first, and of course that's called the empathy step, then we greatly increase the likelihood that the kid will hear the adult's concerns. It's always hard to tell from emails exactly what's gone down, but it looks to me like um, all that's really happened here is the mom has expressed her concerns, but the kid's concerns are not on the table. Mm -hmm. Plan B has not yet been done. And this is the interesting thing. This this, this is, although it is uh, an interesting unsolved problem, posting uh, the mom has uh, the unsolved problem, seems to be that the um, mom is having difficulty with some of the things the kid is doing in social media. We'd want to word it more specifically than that. And the mom has some concerns about what her daughter is doing. And you know what? As always, sounds like the mom has a legitimate point of view there, uh, valid concerns. Um, but we also have to believe that the daughter has valid concerns as well, and they need to be heard. Uh, but they need to be heard for a variety of reasons. First of all, we need to know um, what the daughter's concerns are so that we can come up with a solution that addresses those concerns. But also because if the kid's concerns are heard, she may be more receptive to hearing the mums, which once again are legitimate. What the mom is asking is at what point, and I'll paraphrase this, at what point should I do plan A? At what point is it okay to impose your will? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've always said that if something's dangerous, plan A is one option. The mom clearly believes that this is dangerous. So, you know, I always tell parents, you know, I guess you can do plan A whenever you want. The big question is, is it really going to accomplish the mission? Is it really enforceable? Um, is it going to solve the problem? Because if it's not enforceable and it's not going to accomplish the mission, and accomplish the mission means solve the problem, then there's really no point in doing plan A. And so on something like this, I'm still thinking that plan B is actually the mom's best bet. But I'm not hearing about plan B in the email. I'm hearing about should I do plan A if me simply expressing my concerns to my daughter has not caused a change in my daughter's behavior, but that's not plan B. And I don't want to make a big deal. I'm always careful about not making a big deal out of what's not written in an email, but I'm not hearing about plan B in this correspondence, I'm hearing about plan A in this correspondence, and I'm hearing about the define adult concerns step in this correspondence. The mother has expressed her concerns to her daughter, 
I haven't heard about the empathy step, and I haven't heard about the invitation step. So I guess my answer to the question would be, I wouldn't be ready to do plan A yet because I don't think we've done plan B yet. What do you think? I think you're exactly right. Um, I think it's a scary situation um, being the parent of a teenage daughter who is doing what that daughter's doing and answering questions to strangers um, because adults do well if they can too. Um, So, you know, plan B is about making things better. And, uh, and you've, you've had an adolescent daughter, and um, to my knowledge, she wasn't posting pictures of herself in a bikini on social media, but I'm operating on the assumption that your previously adolescent daughter occasionally did things that made you worried about whether she was being safe or putting herself in a compromising position. Um are these easy conversations? To, I have an adolescent daughter myself at this point. Um, tough conversations to have with your kid, but um, much tougher if we aren't hearing their point of view. What's, what's your take on that? Well, the thing about the model is it's all about understanding and understanding the child's perspective or concern and Many times that we've had a plan B conversation it it's something you know you're you're vulnerable you're um putting yourself out there by uh doing plan B, but the kid usually has a legitimate concern and um And Plan B helps you to understand that. Let us see if we have any other callers. I hope that that does the trick for the mom emailing from Australia. If not, email us back. And you're, of course, always welcome to call in if you're up at 2 o'clock in the morning in Australia. (sighs) It's a 10-hour difference. Is that right? Uh, we are nine hours ahead and a day behind, so it is uh-huh. currently 2.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning in Australia. And, of course, it just gives you a headache if you think about what you would be doing in the time zone that you are in, and so you try not to think about that when you're over there. <laughs> it just gives you a headache to think that you're speaking well, never mind. It's giving me a headache now just thinking about it. <laughs> Shall we well, move we on to another email? That. Yes. No, we don't want me getting a headache. We already have the phone lines in the Lives in the Balance office not working this morning, which is why I'm calling in by cell. But even that has not been foolproof this morning. But here we go. Um, I have two kids with major anxiety. One goat won't go to school. He hates it. He is in seventh grade, and he became very aggressive and tantrums a lot at home. He was just in the psych ward for three days because of his aggression. The school told him he needs to be on time or don't bother coming. As soon as he heard that, he stopped going. 
my other son was bullied in school and he was afraid to go back to class. He hid and was found and then got very explosive because the social worker at the school said, wait until the end of the day and the other boy will apologize. He couldn't wait and through things, they suspended my son for three days now. He's anxious and afraid to go back to school. So um, we clearly have a mom who's got uh, some unsolved problems here and is looking for guidance on how to deal with them. But I guess the reason I put this in the queue here to respond to is that um, we've got both kids getting suspended, one to the point that he, um, well, I guess the first one wasn't suspended. He was in a psych ward for three days. We've got some major stuff going on here, Um, and I'm hoping that we also reached out to this, I think, mom to let her know if there is a certified provider in her area um, so that we can get her help that this radio program won't take her as far with. The main thing that struck me is that lots of kids get put on psych wards, as they're sometimes called, and lots of kids get suspended for things that, because of behaviors, that they are exhibiting because of unsolved problems that often haven't been identified and clearly haven't yet been solved because if the unsolved problem is solved, it doesn't set in motion challenging behavior. And so the main thing that struck me about these two was suspension is not going to fix what's going on here. And while a three-day stay in a psychiatric inpatient unit, I suppose, could be stabilizing or at least make sure that the child is not a threat to himself or others, that's unlikely to fix anything either. Beyond that, I don't know if we have the kind of details we need to help this mom further than that, Um, except to see if there's somebody in her area who might be able to give her the level of intensity of assistance that she needs this radio program cannot provide, and to um, encourage her and those who are working with her children at school to focus on problems and solving them rather than the behaviors a child is exhibiting because of those problems Clearly, if a kid is exhibiting behaviors that are unsafe, adults need to take action. But what they ultimately need to do is solve the problems that are causing those behaviors in the first place. Otherwise, those problems will remain unsolved and the behaviors that are associated with them will remain. And there's a lot of kids in this world who keep getting moved from suspension and inpatient psychiatry units and residential facilities and one intervention to another, all in response to their behavior, none of which are going to solve the problems that are causing those behaviors. And that is a tragedy. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but those are my thoughts on that particular email. But clearly, um, issues that we won't be able to address very satisfactorily on this program except to encourage the mom to seek assistance, especially if there is a certified CPS provider in her area, and quite frankly, even if there's not. Any thoughts to add on that? There's always hope. And um, if she has the opportunity uh, 
two books that you've written, The Explosive Child and Lost at School, um, would be really beneficial. Good. We do have another caller, so let's go to area code 508 and take our caller from there. Uh, You're on the air. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Good. What's up? Okay. Well, um, my husband and I are very new to this technique. We started seeing a counselor um, a few weeks ago. We've had... um, I would say a few appointments so far, and she's told us about your technique, and it it does sound promising to us. Um, however, we've been facing some challenges right now, and we're not quite sure how to handle them. Um, we have a 12-year-old daughter. Um, we also have a younger daughter who is almost seven. Um, our older daughter is the one that we're having the challenges with, She's always had issues with anxiety, and last year in sixth grade, she was diagnosed with uh, general anxiety and social anxiety, Um, and this year she started going to junior high, which is a totally new experience, lots of different teachers. She's had challenges with homework and other things, and um, she sees a psychologist who because of her social anxiety, even after a year, she really likes this person, but she won't open up to him and really say much beyond talking about her video games. And, you know, she brings in her clarinet because I guess he used to play clarinet, so she plays clarinet for him. And But she won't talk about school. She won't talk about friends, things like that. So we're having challenges in that area. Um She's very quiet in school. She doesn't have behavior issues at school, but it's it's almost like a soda bottle, we think. It's just it's kind of like you're, the cap is on it and you're shaking it up all day long. And then when she comes home, she can sometimes just kind of explode. She's, you know, defiant, and it feels sometimes as though, you know, I could say hi to her and she'll just get kind of explosive. Um, This morning I had a challenge where she just came downstairs and she said, I'm not going to school today. And my husband was ready to walk out out the door to leave for work. And um, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I have my own business, so I I was home. And I said, well, you know, you really do need to go to school today. And she just refused. Um, I, and she kind of exploded from there, and she tried to kind of provoke me physically. She would get in my face. She would throw things. She would yell. She would try to push me. She would do whatever she could to try to get a response out of me. And, you know, she would follow me around the house. I felt as though I couldn't really get away from her. I was trying to keep my younger daughter away from her, um, and she just tried all that she could. And I did end up getting her on the bus this morning. I brought her down to the bus stop, and she did end up getting on the bus. But the last thing she said to me was, I hate you. You know, um, it was one of those. And she did get on the bus. But I, we're, I'm not really sure what to do in that situation where, you know, sometimes I find myself, you know, she she seemed to have woken up this way, and I, I'm not – sure if there's any way to help her disengage but when she's like that I feel as though anything that I say or open my mouth it just causes more anger and agitation 
Um, she also was taking a certain medication to help her with her anxiety, and we're trying a different medication. So she's kind of like, I think the second one hasn't fully started um, working yet, and we're not sure if this one will start working, but she's just very agitated all the time. Um, we're not sure what to do with that at this point. So I'm wondering if you can offer any advice. Well, um, we'll see what we can do in the five minutes that are remaining on the program. But it does sound like <laughs> yeah. we are in a tough situation. And, of tough, course, yeah. um, this program can't take the place of, uh, you know, in-person clinical care where right. I would be getting to right. know you and your daughter well. But right. I can tell you here are some of the things I'm hearing. Um uh, number one, the model begins with a certain set of lenses. Okay. And it is not a model that places a great emphasis on psychiatric diagnoses, but the diagnoses right. that I'm hearing are in the anxiety realm, and it uh, sounds like there's a social anxiety piece and a generalized anxiety piece, but and so that sort of gets me into the ballpark, as I always say. You know, so now I'm in Fenway Park, but I still have no idea where my what section I'm in. I have no mm -hmm. row what I'm, that I'm no no idea what row I'm sitting in. And so, while that gives me a general idea that your daughter is anxious and especially anxious about things social, and while that might give me some information about why your daughter has tried to solve whatever is going on at school, whatever problems are going on at school, by saying that she's not going. Um, I don't really know much more about her. Those diagnoses mm -hmm. really don't help me know what specifically we would be working on. So hopefully mm -hmm. the counselor that you're working with knows mm -hmm. about the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems mm -hmm. and can guide you so that you can identify your daughter's lagging skills and unsolved problems. And that's, right, yeah, we have discussed some of those. Good. That's sort of step number one, because if you're not okay. really sure what the unsolved problems are, then you're not mm -hmm. going to solve them. And then you're ready to start thinking about how you want to solve them. And as you probably, you, you may be aware already, making her go to school would be plan A, yeah. That's you imposing your will, and it puts you in a very tough spot in terms of, um, I know. you know, it puts you in a heat-of-the-moment situation, um, and it, you know, she does, you know, you do want her to go to school, and by law she kind of needs to go to school. And yet, on the other hand, she has unsolved problems. Um, we really want to be trying to solve them proactively because simply making her go to school isn't going to solve them. It's quite frankly, merely going to cause your daughter to be at her worst, as you experienced this morning, which is never fun, um, never pleasant, but also, if we take a step back, also not going to be a very effective way to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't know uh, if counselor who you're working with is guiding you through all of this and if not you, you you can be in touch and we'll see if we can help you out in a in a more um intensive way than what this radio program will provide but um it's not just solving problems collaboratively that brings 
that this model brings to the table, it's also uh, a really clear understanding of what's getting in your daughter's way in a way that the diagnoses that she's acquired isn't likely to provide for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's all I can say. It sounds like you had um, a tough go of it this morning, but I, quite frankly, would probably predict more tough goes until we know what skills your daughter is lacking, know the specific conditions in which those lagging skills are getting in her way, and start solving the problems that are getting in her way in a way that is proactive and collaborative, um, boy, we sure do have a lot to learn about what's getting in your daughter's way, and the person who's most likely to be able to provide hard information on that is her. Right. But here's what I will do. We And I know that we are running out of time here. I want to encourage you to call back in again next week, but call in the okay. beginning of the program so we have more than 10 minutes to help you out, and we'll go from there. Okay. Sound like a plan? All right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll work on this some more, and uh, I'll let you know how it's going. Very good. We look forward to hearing back from you. Okay, thank you very much. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. And that's going to do it for us today, Susie. Thanks for doing this again, Susie. My pleasure. Just want to mention the annual summit on November 7th. All there on the Lives in the Balance website. Right. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.